Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, or online store. For a free trial and 10% off, just go to squarespace.com and use the offer code TWIP. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by FreshBooks, the fast and easy cloud accounting solution helping millions of small business owners save time invoicing and get paid faster. You can try FreshBooks right now for free. Just go to freshbooks.com TWIP and enter TWIP in the How Did You Hear About Us section for a free trial. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by StickyAlbums.com. Do you want to book more clients? Nothing boosts your word-of-mouth referrals like giving each of your clients their own custom photo app. You can create your first app in minutes at StickyAlbums.com. This week on TWIP, are pros really ditching Nikon and Canon for mirrorless cameras, or is it just a bunch of hype? Also, Amazon offers up unlimited photo storage for its Prime members, and Lytro offers access to its light field technology for $20,000. It's Monday, November 10th, 2014, and this is TWIP. Welcome back to TWIP. I am your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Joining me today on the show to discuss some of the cool things happening in the world of photography are Ms. Valerie Jardin and Mr. Dave Dugdale. Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. Hey, hey how are you? I'm, I'm good. Hey, we're, uh, you know, lots of stuff going on. Photo Plus Expo wrapped up last week, and, you know, it's just... All kinds of news popping out that we need to talk about. I mean, there's new new shows on the network coming, some that are already here, some that are in progress. So much cool stuff going on in the TWIP universe and in the world of photography. But uh, I think, Dave, you haven't been on in the longest. I don't think people, folks in, in the TWIP-verse haven't heard from you in the longest. So what's, what's going on in your world? Um, not too much. I just finished up a uh, volleyball video for a, a high school and I've been working on my GH4 course on and off, but now I'm like, like really getting into it and I've been working on it solid for the last two weeks. And, you know, when I do my, I've done my Canon courses in the past, they've taken maybe a month to do, but this is taking longer since I've, this is my first Panasonic camera and going through everything and testing everything. And then uh creating the course out of it um, definitely takes some time. But it's getting there. I, I'm kind of hoping I'll be in, done in a, maybe another three weeks or so. I'm going to buy that course. So what, what's the, so what are you covering? Are you, is it specifically on how to use the GH4 for video, or are you going yeah. through every nook and cranny of the camera? Well, I do go through lots of nook and crannies. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, in fact, just going through it, I found some like weird issues. Like it's, it's all, It is all video-related, but... For instance, I was looking at the um, one of the cool features that has mostly for on the broadcast side, but it has bars and tones on it. If you if you ever looked at the menu close enough, mm-hmm. so you can output that to an external monitor and you know set up the monitors and stuff like that. But what I noticed is like um, the bars and tones for different luminance levels actually mm-hmm. shifts the color, um, which I don't think is what they intended. So I'm. I've contacted Panasonic to see that if that's actually a glitch or not. But yeah, it's one of those things where you, you go through it with the um, 
yeah, just real heavy detail. And you find these little things that crop up. And very luckily, cool. I, I have a contact at Panasonic who's been very um, responsive and getting back to me on these type of things. So, But it's a great little camera. I'm not, are you enjoying yours? You've been shooting with the GH4 for a few months, right? Yeah, I have. I, I love it. I stepped up to it from the GH3. So now I have my trifecta of cameras is the GH3, uh, the GH4, and the, um, and the GX7. Although I did... This this is the saddest thing in the world. We should cue some sad sound effects here. <laughs> uh, you know the little GM one, the little tiny one, mirrorless no. camera. So I had I have slash had that one, and I was walking back to my hotel room from the convention center in New York, and I had it over my shoulder, and it slipped off of my shoulder and went down and hit the concrete. Oh, it, yeah, oh. not not good for precision electronic optical equipment. <laughs> did you have a Did you have a proper burial? No, I, I boxed it up and sent it into Panasonic for repairs. So, so it's in ICU now. They're either going to tell me it's DOA or you know it's going to be a million dollars a fix or something. But we'll see. We'll yeah. see. We'll see. I've so got anyway. the uh, I got the LX100 coming tomorrow. Um, oh, cool! Did you buy that? Are you gonna? Are you just testing it, or what are you? I'm, I'm testing it. I mean, the big bummer of it for video is it doesn't have a mic input. As I was listening to your podcast, what is it all about the gear? Yeah. You guys did a show on that. but So I'm kind of bummed it doesn't have that. But for the most part, so tiny and small and shoots 4K video and just like, oh, it just could be a really powerful machine yeah. um, for video. Yeah. 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 The workaround, I guess, is to just go pick up a $100 Zoom H1 and record it separately, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Anyway. Anyway. So the other voice you heard, audience back there, was Valerie, host of Street Focus on the TWIP network. Hey, Valerie, what's going on? Hey. Well, uh, I finished, I think it's nine workshops on three continents this year. (laughs) So I'm taking a few weeks uh, a break of no travels, which is actually kind of nice right now. I know in about two, three weeks, I'll be stir crazy. Uh, yeah, going crazy. But uh, it, it's nice because when you're on the go so much, there are so many things that you can't really sink into, you know, mm-hmm. you just need to get a lot of stuff done quickly. And, and so now it's kind of nice to, to land for a while. And uh, I've been podcasting like crazy. Yes, you have. You have. Congratulations, by the way. People have been loving your podcast, Street Focus. So congratulations. It's been really fun. There's been such a great interaction. I get emails every day uh, from all over the world. It's just been a blast. And uh, and meeting so many cool people along the way just through through the show, um, you know, guests on the show and so forth. So yeah, yeah. it's been cool. And it's only going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. So a star is born. <laughs> Cool. All right, guys. Uh, Before we jump into the show, I want to thank our first sponsor for this episode of This Week in Photo. That's our good friends over at Squarespace.com. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, or online store. For a free trial and 10% off, just go to Squarespace.com and use the offer code TWIP. And as a special promotion for the TWIP audience, Squarespace is giving away a full year of its most premium level service, and that's valued at more than 288 bucks to a randomly selected listener. All you got to do to enter is just tweet, quote, better websites for all, exclamation point, with the hashtag Squarespace TWIP. 
to be considered. And if you currently have a Squarespace site, post your site URL too, and we might even talk about it on a future episode of This Week in Photo. And remember, Squarespace is constantly improving their platform with new features, new designs, and even better support. Plus, they've got their new metric app for iPhone and iPad that allows you to check your site stats like paid views, unique visitors, and social media follows. And Squarespace has an amazing support team that works 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and the fees started just $8 a month, and that includes a free domain name if you sign up for a year. So you can start your trial. You don't need a credit card to start building your website now. Then when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, just make sure you use the offer code TWIP to get that 10% off and to show your support for This Week in Photo. And we here at TWIP want to personally thank Squarespace for their support. Squarespace, it's everything you need to create an exceptional website. And here's what's happening this week on the TWIP Network. On All About the Gear, Doug and I review the Nikon D810. Also over on Street Focus, Valerie discusses panoramic street photography with Walter Rothwell. And on Your Itinerary, Rob Knight continues part two of his interview with nature photographer Juan Pons. All that and more is happening this week on the TWIP Network. You can subscribe to all of our shows over at thisweekinphoto.com slash subscribe. All right, let's jump into the news. Uh, the first story that I want to chat about, I know you guys don't like talking about this stuff, Valerie, especially you, but it's about Nikon and Canon and how it's. it looks like people are switching. A lot of people are just making the switch over to Fuji in particular and just in general mirrorless systems overall like Fuji, Panasonic, Sony, Olympus, etc. So and it's like the people that are switching and we'll, we'll link to an article that this came from. Because um, one one pro specifically switched to Fuji and and then explained the reasoning behind it, but the the gist of it seems to be, you know, the autofocus arguably better. Some say it's better, some say it's not. Um, the electronic viewfinders, the image quality for a lower price, and then the biggest reasons that I hear that people are switching. Um, that seem to be switching is the weight factor, the size and the weight factor. That these the mirrorless cameras are just small, you know, compared to the big DSLRs. So I wanted to bring that into this forum and have you guys talk about it again, especially both of you, uh, Dave, on your side, you're, you know, learning DSLRvideo.com. So you're the expert on this stuff. And Valerie, you're walking to walk and talking to talk, you know, with in terms of having switched from the big DSLR to a Fuji. So Dave, I want to start with you. In my mind right now, I have the review that you did on the initial review that I think you did on the GH4 and you did one on the Sony a7. And you were pretty vocal about Canon and leaving Canon specifically because of their their lack of innovation and action and responsiveness. So what do you say? I mean, are you seeing from your perch? Are you seeing people moving in mass over to mirrorless? Or is it is it just kind of, you know, the trend, the latest trend? I think there is a trend there. And, you know, I've started thinking about actually changing my URL to be learning something else mm. video.com because mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't own any DSLRs anymore. Um, yeah. that's yeah. a really good question. Cause like on the GH4 review I did, I don't know, it's been watched like a hundred thousand times and the A7S review has been watched quite a few times and I get usually like a, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of comments yeah. and you can usually see a trend kind of happening. Um, especially lately, you'll see people say, Hey, I, I bought the GH4, um, on your recommendation and you know, they'll say, this is great. You know, yeah. 
Um, so I am seeing, or I'll get emails, people just email me and they'll say, hey, I just got the GH4 and I got the A7S and I sold all my Canon stuff. Um, I get a lot of those. So I would say there's definitely a trend there. And, you know, like I've said before, I don't know what Canon's thinking because they, they should be building a, you know, an APS-C or a full frame or I'm sure they won't do a micro four thirds, but they should do something yeah. in the, in the, uh, department of mirrorless. Um, you know, cause they've done one, I think it was, I don't remember what it was called, but it was a big flop, I think. Yeah. I don't know. Like earlier this year, like around, you know, I don't know, say six months ago in my head, I'm thinking, come on, you know, the, the masses of audiences out there that, you know, they, they, they can't have their hands, their head that far buried in the sand, you know, Canon and Nikon people are screaming. Even if, even if they want to stick with DSLRs, they could, you know, go down another path and make another product line. You know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, okay, come Photokina, something big's going to happen. And then maybe, you know, and they'll round it off at Photo Plus. You know, that's, we're going to see something because they're not going to go in tight. They're going to let another cycle go by without announcing something. And both of those trade shows came and went and we got nothing. <laughs> we got crickets. I thought, I thought got... the same thing. I wouldn't, both those shows came out. I was like, all right, they're going to do something. Yeah. And, and when it, you know, in one way I am happy because it validates my choice of going mirrorless and not sticking with Canon. Yeah. But in another way, it makes me sad. It's like, well, I would like to see, you know, Panasonic and Sony get some good competition from Canon because, yeah. you know, Canon's got spends more R&D than any of these guys combined from, you know, what I've researched there. They spend so much. It's like. Where's all that R&D going to their printers? You know, is right. it going to anything else besides, you know, other parts of their business? Um, so well, if, it's, if it's their printers, I am not sure. I have a Canon printer and I'm not happy with it. So <laughs> they should put more money there, too. <laughs> Oh man! See, I don't know, Valerie. You made the switch, right? Early, I mean, when you when you first came on this week in photo, you were still shooting client work with DSLRs, right? And then yeah. you, at some point, you hit a wall, and just the next day, you were mirrorless all the way and shooting Fuji, and you've never looked back. Uh, in fact, when I was in Paris with you earlier this year, you had your Fuji, and that's all you were shooting with. The other people yeah. had DSLRs and multiple lenses, or even micro four thirds like me. Um, with multiple lenses, you had a fixed lens, and that's all you use. So tell me, t just tell us about your switch and your your mindset behind switching from the big camera over to the smaller camera. Well, for me, it was kind of it was easy because I was phasing out my commercial photography business to just um, teach workshops. So mm -hmm. uh, as my workshops were, I wasn't shooting for clients. Now I'm I'm I'm. I'm back to um, being an amateur photographer again because <laughs> I only shoot for me, mm -hmm. and uh, and I'm very happy about that. But if if I was to still be shooting for clients, I would not be shooting with a DSLR. Mm. I would shoot with the XT1 probably. Yeah, yeah. But uh, why is because, that? I mean, is it was well, it mainly? I just don't see. I just don't see the. I just don't see the necessity in having uh, in having a DSLR anymore. I'm just so happy with, I mean, the, the X100S was obvious choice for street photography. Mm -hmm. I shoot everything else with it, but it's perfect for street photography. I now have my backup is the Fuji X-T1 and I love it. I just don't see, I don't see the need of having anything else. And even if I was shooting weddings, I would be shooting with that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I don't, but if I was doing portraits and weddings, that's what I would be shooting with. 
But why though? I mean, the the question is why? Is it is it a question of size? It's smaller? Is it faster? Is it better? Does does the UI on the camera <clears throat> on the camera fit your brain better? What's the main reason? Well, for me, yes, Fuji just fits me because of all the dials. I don't like I don't like going into menus. I don't uh, like touch screens. Yeah. I like dials. And I think the Fuji's I heard somebody once say it's a photographer's camera, and and it was probably the best description. It is. It's it's so intuitive, and um, and I like to not to have to mess around with you know buttons and screens to go look at a menu to to change anything. It ha there is a dial for everything. It's so easy, um, and so I like that. I like the size. I like the feel of it. It's. It's not plasticky. It's super sturdy. It's um, the XT1 is even uh, water uh, resistant or yeah. waterproof. I don't know how you call that. Um, and it's just it's solid. It's it's a pro level camera in my opinion. I mean, I don't see any difference between what I shoot with that than what I used to shoot with the 5D Mark II yeah. and my L lenses. So um, and and I'm not a pixel peeper and. And some people will probably say, no, wait a minute, you know, I can show you the difference. Yeah, well, I don't really care because <laughs> I can't see it with my bare eyes. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I, I love so that. It's great. I can put both cameras in the retrospective five bag from yeah. Think Tank. And I'm and I'm on the plane. That's yeah. all I have. So and it's yeah, it's it's a it's a whole new world in a lot of ways. Dave, on your side, you know, you with the video stuff, I know, and you can articulate this better than I can. But you were talking about just the sensor size, the the smaller sensor size of micro four thirds, um, and that crop factor versus the the large or the full frame, you know, which is arguably better, right? Because it's it's bigger is better. And we're all photographers are always after that shallow depth of field with the big with the big sensor. I, I think I heard something on one of your videos that you were taught you were arguing against the larger sensor in favor of the smaller sensor when it comes to video and depth of field. Can you explain that a little more? Well, it, it depends. It's like because I, I bought the GH4 and the A7S and the GH4 actually is a smaller sensor and the A7S is a full frame. And I reach for the GH4 probably 60 or 70% of the time. And usually when I'm doing stuff outside or a well-lit area or something where I'm, you know, I don't need that shallow depth of field because, you know, it, you know, shooting at like, let's say, 2.8 on the GH4 is kind of equivalent to 5.6 on the uh, A7S. Mm -hmm. um, so, or did I say that backwards? <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> did I just say that backwards? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, sorry. So, the basically, you know, the the depth of field, you don't have such a shallow depth of field with the GH4. And so, I, I use the GH4 actually more because then I don't have to worry about... Um, focus as much uh if i'm doing it depends on the what i'm filming obviously but then i'd say i don't know 30 40 percent of the time i'm reaching for the a7s because um i'm in situations where it's low light and i need that i need a lot of um light gathering from that large sensor that's yeah. only and it's amazing what that thing can do it at night it, you just crank it up to 40 50 60,000 iso and it works fantastic i don't know what sony did in that thing they they 
made a deal with some sort of, I don't know, some fairy or something to get some magic in those cameras. Because the low light capability of the A7S is... It's it's just not real. I mean, I understand, I understand yeah, yeah, how you can make light from dark. I mean, it's you know, it's amazing. And one of the things for me on the video side that I love about these cameras is the electronic viewfinder. So I can see what I'm getting and I don't have to put some sort of loop or viewfinder actually attached to my back of my screen. I can actually look through the viewfinder and I can change the white balance like in real time and watch it change or change the Kelvin and like, oh, I can see what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas before you're kind of guessing, I mean, unless you had some sort of, you can look at the back of the display, but if you're outside the well lit and if the sun's hitting the back of the screen, you're kind of guessing at that point. Whereas looking into that nice viewfinder on both of these cameras have pretty decent view, electronic viewfinders. Um, that's probably one of the things I like about it the most is, you know, when I'm outside shooting that way, um, getting focus and exposure is so much easier than, you know, with the Canon DSLRs. Yeah. And, you know, Valerie brought up a, the topic of quality. Like she said, the, the, the quality of her, of her Fuji's is more than enough for what she needs, you know, on street photography. What about on the video side? So moving, moving from these, you know, the Canon 5D, you know, and that ilk of camera over to a smaller sensor, micro four thirds, or even the, you know, on the Sony a7S side of things, are you seeing, Dave, the, you know, a, a change in quality just overall, notwithstanding the depth of field changes, but just overall image quality? Yeah, and that's probably the second reason I bought these cameras is there's no line skipping for video. Like on the Canon cameras, they do line skip, line skipping. So basically, you're, that opens up um, artifacts like aliasing and more, which can really ruin a shot. And sometimes it's so hard to see aliasing and more on a very tiny screen. But with these two cameras, they have full pixel readout going, you know, to either it's 1080 or in 4K, depending mm-hmm. on which of these two cameras. And there's no line skipping. So you're getting the full pixel readout. You're getting all that great information. And you don't get any of those weird artifacts that are going on. So that gives you a really clean image. So in terms of quality, yeah, I definitely, these are these two cameras are better in quality than Canon. Although I will say, one of the things, you know, after using these cameras for a few months, I do miss... The Canon, and the only reason that I miss the Canon slightly is because of the color. I love the colors that come off the Canon. Again, since we're shooting video, I'm not shooting raw. I'm shooting, you know, equivalent to the JPEG because all my stuff gets baked in. And I, yeah. I'm not shooting in a red Epic or anything where I'm shooting raw and I can change it later. So um, I do miss the color from Canon, but um, it, I'm getting better at color grading and working around that issue but yeah i would say image quality difference or quality of these two cameras is better than your traditional dslr wow and you you've got just for the folks that are interested and you're, you're the gh4 and are you speaking specifically about the a7 or the a7s when you talk a7, about the, a7s yeah the a7s and you've got reviews of both of these on learning right yeah, very long ones because I when I do a really long review like that, it's usually because I'm very interested in buying the camera, um, and both of those reviews were like 45 minutes long. Very cool, Valerie. On your side, you know, Dave, Dave was talking about just sort of the the what might be a negative, which isn't a negative. <laughs> you know, the quality is better um, on the on the smaller cameras than it is on the DSLR. On your side, if you know, just to flip it. 
what is missing when you're on your Fuji cameras, Valerie? Like, what do you what do you wish you could you could tell Fuji? Because I'm sure someone from Fuji, Panasonic, and Olympus is listening right now. What would you ask them to add to the camera to make it the perfect street photographer's camera? Nothing. It's perfect. <laughs> uh, no, Lower actually, the price, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. I think I think you get you get. Uh, how do you say that? Bang for your bucks? Mm-hmm. Is that the right expression? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I mean, they're not cheap, but when you when you open the box and you hold that camera in your hands, you you know where the money, you, you know, you, mm-hmm. you're getting something for your money for sure. Yeah. It's very solid. It's just you can feel the quality. Uh, no, the only thing I was disappointed, I bought the X-T1 before the new one was released and it's not completely silent. And that's the only thing that I was disappointed about because my Fuji is always on full silent, um, which for a street photographer is, you know, is quite important. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I found out that Fuji will uh, make the X-T1 completely silent at uh, the next firmware update. Oh, very cool. The X-T1. So see, that's what I love about the brand. And I'm not associated with Fuji in any way. A lot of people think I am. I am not. But mm-hmm. uh, what I love is that they listen. And and a lot of people would have probably ditched the X-T1 to get the new one because of thy silent func- function. But um, but Fuji listened. And supposedly, I heard that from a, a friend who owns one, uh, we will get that fixed with the next firmware. And I, I that is just... That is pretty rare, and I, yeah. I, I love that. And that's yeah. that's important to you because I I've seen I saw you in action on the streets in Paris doing your your misdirection trick where your camera's on silent at waist level and you're firing off shots while while p- pretending to look at your iPhone. I lo- yeah, I'm texting. <laughs> <laughs> or texting. You're looking over here, looking to the left on your iPhone, and uh, and firing off shots with your right hand with your camera at waist level. That's uh, and coming and making some amazing shots. That's that's amazing. I think Valerie brings up a really good point here. Is that these manufacturers like Panasonic are definitely listening to us, whereas I feel like Canon is not listening because I you know I've gone to trade shows and stuff and it. You know, you say, hey, what, what are you going to do with the next camera? And like, what do you want? We'll do anything you want. What do you want in the camera? So I, they're really, like Valerie said, I think they're listening to us, whereas Canon is just kind of hearing us in the background and not quite <laughs> understanding what we're saying. But why is that? I want to get into that. So why is that? Both Canon and Nikon, is it is it that they've been on top of the mountain for so long that they have this level of hubris and which is which is now coming back to bite them because the smaller, more hungry, scrappier Japanese companies are like, okay, we're gonna do what customers actually want, or or is it something else? Is it just a cultural thing? What could it be? I don't understand it. What do you think, Dave? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I really don't. But you know, talking just going from booth to booth at NAB, um, there's definitely a, a shift there because. You know, you talk to just about anybody at the Canon booth, and there's usually, what, 30 people at the Canon booth at mm-hmm. NEB. And it doesn't matter who you seem to talk to. Um, there's just There seems to be a different attitude there. And, and where, you know, Canon, it, you know, I've been doing reviews on Canon cameras and courses on Canon, and they've never reached out to me where, you know, Panasonic knew I was going to review their GH4 and like, hey, is there any questions we can answer? Just let us know. We can put you in touch with our, you know, tech leads. And if there's anything you want to see in the firmware, like Valerie just mentioned the firmware update and the GH4 has been updated twice already. And, mm-hmm. and I've, I'm hearing rumors 
um, that it's going to be updated again around NAB time um, mm-hmm. with some more updates. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I think it's fantastic what they're doing and they're really listening to us, which is a great philosophy to have. And that's one of the reasons I jumped ship from Canon. I was like, I was like, what are you guys going to do with the next, you know, 5D Mark IV? And they're like, uh, are you going to put focus peaking in or zebras? And they were like, uh, no, we're just going to keep that in our, you know, very expensive high end uh, cinema line. Mm. And yeah, maybe like, that's where all the money is. Maybe that's the answer. They're, they're, you know, like Apple, Apple on one hand is going down towards the, uh, on the consumer side, right? So it looks like the, not saying that they are, but it seems like they're abandoning or at least shifting focus away from the pro side into consumer, where maybe Canon and Nikon are saying, you know what, let's concede and say, you know, these other guys, <laughs> Fuji, Panasonic, Sony, Olympus, they are, they own the consumer side and we're going to focus on the high end and start, you know, selling these these five-figure cameras to the movie studios and filmmakers. I mean, maybe that's I- it. I think that, that maybe that's it, yeah. Yeah, which is sad. I mean, you know, because competition is good. We want we want Fuji and Panasonic and Sony Olympus. We want these guys to be afraid. We want yeah, exactly. <laughs> we don't want them to sit back on their heels and say, ah, whatever, we're not going to update because why? Why should we, you know? We want Canon and Nikon to be the the overlords that they, they they every good story needs an antagonist and a protagonist, right? <laughs> so what do you have if you don't have an antagonist? <laughs> exactly. I I don't know what they're doing. Go ahead, Valerie. I know I honestly guys, I mean, Dave and Frederick, have you ever heard anyone switching to mirrorless and regretting it? No. I, I honestly point. haven't. No. Never. And I've talked to hundreds of people. I mean, now out of eight participants on any given workshop, I have at least seven, if not all, shooting mirrorless. Mm-hmm. I've never heard one say, oh, I wish I hadn't. Never. Yeah. The main the main resistance I hear, it seems to be, and I'm generalizing here, but it seems to be from two, from two camps of photographers. On the, the one side, it's definitely not the video people because video people it's a no-brainer but it seems the landscape photographers that that need to see you know the the worm on the leaf at a mile away you know it's, it's those folks and then it's also it seems to be the sports photographers because the focusing speed and the focus tracking and all that is better arguably um well. I don't also, know. also the but, Sarah Sarah Francis too, because I remember being on a show with her a while back, and she says, "Well, I really can't because if Uncle Bob comes in with a 5D Mark III and right. I've got a, a Micro Four Thirds, then everybody's going to look at me like I don't know what I'm doing." But that's changing. To, but but to Sarah's, uh, you know, I would say to Sarah, why don't you just put a big old battery grip on, you know, the <laughs> Panasonic GH4, and then put a big old lens hood on the thing, and nobody's going to know, you know, I'm once you put you. a. Once you put a battery grip on a camera like that, it looks like a, a beast anyway. I'm gonna. This is this is a Kickstarter. I'm gonna I'm gonna start, and you guys have to support me. Um, you know those those underwater housings you can buy for your cameras. <laughs> I'm gonna start a Kickstarter that creates DSLR looking housings for mirrorless cameras so that you can appear professional. <laughs> but I think that's changing. I mean, you see more and more outstanding wedding photographers shooting with mirrorless cameras now and mm-hmm. uh and it, that's i mean there is no reason to shoot with with full-blown dslr system now at a wedding yeah. and even you know you were talking about focus tracking remember when i was playing around with the sony um 
uh, is it the A6000? Alpha yeah, 6, the A6000. Yeah. And a, a few people on the June workshop had it. I've never seen a camera that capable of focus tracking and that many uh, frames per second as that little Fuji, that yeah. little Sony. That thing is um, amazing. Yeah. That, and so that can compete with any DSLR for sports photography with the right lenses. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I don't know anything about sports photography, but to me, that that's something that's holding some people back. Well, it shouldn't hold them back for too much longer. And I, I really do think that the Yes, maybe a year ago, uh, people were still afraid to switch because it didn't look as professional. But you know what? People, <laughs> everything is getting smaller, except phones, actually. Right. Yeah, but, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, everything is getting thinner, smaller. And and people know that. And, and the guests at a wedding that are going to see an outstanding photographer um, you know, that they've seen the work um, of show up with a smaller system, they're not going to care, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's still, I think that's that's going to to disappear. That Maybe that's the shift that needs to happen. That's the yeah. the sort of, the sea chain sort of mind, mind uh, shift of, hey, oh, you know, you go to a wedding and you see someone with the big giant DSLR with white lenses and you say, oh, wow, you're shooting with one of those? My dad had one of those. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah all the that. cool kids are using these things and they pull it out of their shirt pocket, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I would love it if there was a day where it's, that, that happens, where you look at Uncle Bob and he's got the 5D Mark III with the 7200 with a lens head. It's huge. Even he's got the battery grip. And then the professional photographer shows up with the GH4 and everybody's like, oh, this guy must be really good because, mm -hmm. you know, he knows what he's doing. He can use those flashes and all that other stuff. He's got the, he's got it down. And, and that would be a great day because everybody's knowing that he's got the skills and Uncle Bob doesn't, even though Uncle Bob has the bigger camera. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, when I see, uh, I was just at a wedding recently, when I see the wedding photographer with a 5D Mark II with the 70-200 on one shoulder and then another camera with the 24 to 70 on the other i want to cry i yeah. just i feel so bad it's like you know you could have the x100s in one hand and the xt1 <laughs> in the other yeah. <laughs> you could be so much happier yeah 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 it's it's interesting i don't know i mean i guess we'll see over the next i think this year uh or next year 2015 is going to be kind of the proving year because we're having this conversation right now at the end you know we're in november of 2014 so it's the end we're heading towards the end of the year um photo plus expo is over photo kina like we said is over i think next year if we get to this point in time and we're still having this conversation and scratching our heads about nikon and canon i mean it's there you know i'm going to coin the phrase it's going to appear that they've been kodak Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I, I mean, know. they make great cameras. I mean, yeah. there is no doubt, and there is still, you know, there are people that will just want the bigger stuff and the more expensive stuff. And, yeah. And fine. Hopefully, otherwise, what are they going to do? Yeah. What's going to happen to them? I don't yeah. know. Well, I guess we'll see. But we'll still be here reporting on them, and you know, <laughs> Street Focus will be still talking about street photography. That's and we'll, right. You know, learning. <laughs> Insert blank video will be done. <laughs> it's funny now because people sign up on my workshop and I don't care if they shoot with, you know, a D800 or a, an iPhone. You know, it's street photography. Just as long as it doesn't get in the way, shoot with whatever you want. But um, it's funny now people are almost 
embarrassed to tell me they shoot with a DSLR. Yeah, they say it's it with like, one eye closed. I have a DSLR. Is that going to be okay? I'm like, whatever you can, you're comfortable with. It's going to be fine. You know, yeah. it doesn't matter to me. It's whatever works for you. All are and, welcome. Right? Yeah, exactly. So, but it's funny because now people feel like they can I come with a DSLR? It's like, yeah, you're still That's welcome. Great. Don't worry. So Dave, Dave, are you going to change the name of your site to just learningvideo.com or what do you oh, think? If you've got suggestions, let me know. Cause I'm actually contemplating on actually changing it. So if you have any ideas, let me know. Okay. But, I'll brainstorm and, and teach you over some ideas, but yeah, you definitely have to lose that. You got to lose the mirror, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah. It's, it's going to become, and I'd say in a couple of years, I'd be like, why does it say DSLR? Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. does that mean? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. What does that stand for? <laughs> it's like, yeah. Yeah. Hey, times change and we must yeah. evolve with it. All right, guys, let's move on from this and talk about story number two, which is about Amazon.com. So I'm an Amazon Prime user. Um, and the main reason, you know, Amazon Prime, I got to go on record, is evil. <laughs> so Amazon, oh, no. Amazon Prime, I've bought so much stuff oh. on Amazon Prime because they make it so easy just to just tap and the thing shows up two days later. You know, I buy, you know, I, I avoid trips to Target because of Amazon Prime. I can buy anything that's not perishable on Amazon Prime. And now they've added, um, for Amazon Prime subscribers, not only do you get the music through Amazon Prime and movies, you also get unlimited storage for your photos. So for the yearly membership fee of 99 bucks, I'm reading this off our notes here, um, 99 bucks subscribers now have access to unlimited cloud storage for their photos and videos. And the features include unlimited storage of your photos, JPEGs, RAWs, and videos, MP4, H.264, MPEG4, etc. The file size can't exceed two gigabytes and videos can't exceed 20 minutes, which is a long time. Files can be uploaded from Android and iOS devices, Fire tablets, as if anybody has one of those, uh, phones, Macs, and Windows PCs. And the supported photo formats include Adobe's DNG format, Canon's CR2 and CRW, Epson's ERF, whatever that is, Fuji's RAF, Kodak's DCR, Minolta, Nikon, Panis, Pentax, basically all the, the big players are represented in there. So I wanted to put that out to you guys. We now, as photographers, have another option. We had Dropbox, we had Box.com, we have you know all kinds of places, Google Drive, where we can store our photos online. But now, if you're already an Amazon Prime member, which a lot of people are, you now have another option. Dave, what do you think of this? Is this is this viable, or is it you know there, is there a gotcha in there somewhere that we should be aware of? The gotcha is always what I was reading something of your experience where they say that the average prime member spends 2.3 times <laughs> that of somebody else. So I bought yeah, I something they, on prime I, today. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, it's a problem. <laughs> it, I think it's like kind of the Costco effect where you have some skin in the game. You have to pay a membership every year and you're like, oh, instead of going to the grocery store, I better go buy the paper towels and all the big bulk items and big bars of soap and whatever at Costco. <laughs> it's the same way with Amazon. It's like, oh, maybe you, let me look at my wish list and oh yeah, I need a whole bunch of stuff and let's go ahead and place an order because I know it'll be here like really fast because of the shipping and then yeah. oh, I get to watch the movies and now I get to upload my raw files, which yep. is, it's it's just adding more and more to this, 
the the equation of I need to have this thing, you know, and I know a lot of I personally don't have it, but I tried it out for a month and it was very addicting. I was like, oh, I can have this fast. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's fantastic from them. I think they're probably could be even losing money. A lot of customers on this because mm-hmm. so many customers are getting things shipped so quickly and they do it over and over again that that $90 or $100, whatever it is, um, probably gets used up pretty quick. And, you know, with the movies and now I mean, that this is just kind of a throwaway item for them because they have their what is it, the S3 oh, service yeah. that they have. They oh, have yeah. so much so much storage space it's probably ridiculous and you're like hey somebody's like we could add this and it wouldn't even affect us at all and yeah, they're like okay like a, add it's it a rounding a error for amazon yeah. yeah oh yeah so but i think what's really cool about this is and you could correct me if i'm wrong i don't know of any other service that lets you upload the raws i don't either yeah normally it's jpeg even like with smug mug it's it's you know, you I, I don't know if it's unlimited space, but you have a lot of space that you can upload into, but it's all JPEG. This is this is really the first time I've seen that they let you and they sp- explicitly support raw files. So now, now there's I have my hat on in terms of like, you know, when I create my uh, courses, I'm thinking to myself, well, maybe I can use this to upload a whole bunch of videos and then store them there and then my customers can view the videos from mm-hmm. there. I didn't yeah. look at the terms of service heavily, but I know with like Dropbox, at least with the free Dropbox, I've put stuff up like um, some video files where other people wanted to download them and play around with them from a brand new camera, let's say. And then all of a sudden I'll get a notice quite quickly, hey, you're downloading too much stuff. We've blocked this account yeah. temporarily for 24 hours or something like that. Yeah. Does that happen here? I don't know, but I would assume, you know, if if you're doing I would I would assume the target customer for this is the average photographer, right? So and not not not, <laughs> not somebody with with how many millions of views did you have on your <laughs> So they probably don't want the Dave Dugdales being customers and putting stuff on the service. So because it does know. use they use the word storage and they don't use the word like distribution. So mm. I'm guessing I'm guessing somewhere in the terms of service. But I read a few articles on it. I couldn't find anybody who had questioned that or called up Amazon to ask them about it. So I'm guessing that you can't do it. They'll probably be, hey, there's a lot of activity happening on here and our bandwidth is getting sucked dry on this one particular file. Let's close it down. That's what I'm going to guess they're going to do. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm a, I am for that kind of stuff. I'm a big fan of paying, you know, so like paying for Vimeo, which I yeah. know you do as well, or paying for Wistia.com, which is another, which is a service we use on Twip and Mediabytes. It's just, you know, I feel comfortable paying and knowing what their terms of service is and yeah. being, the, and the money is not so much for the service. The money gives you the right to complain later. Yes, <laughs> <So> exactly. <laughs> you're like, hey, I'm paying you this much money a month. This better work, you know, our heads are going to roll. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Valerie, what about you? I mean, the, the is this enticing you into the prime fold of Amazon? What do you think of well, it? Well, actually, you know what? I'm probably the opposite of you because I think I do. I think I have Prime, and I definitely don't get my money out of it. So mm. uh, I just forget that I can order on Amazon. I mean, I I do like for the holidays. I don't. I don't. I'm not a shopper. I never go to the mall. I hate it. I. It's, it's, I'd rather go to the dentist. I mean, seriously, I'm You're not the a ideal shopper. woman. So, <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. And so, uh, so I like to shop online or like local artists. I like to support local artists if possible. Um, but if I have to get something, I, you know, I'll, I'll shop on online versus going to the mall, but I only do that, you know, like during the holidays or things like that. So if I can get that, you know, for my, with my subscription, why not? Yeah. I mean, why, why not? If it's an extra backup, I'm already, you know, I have a lot of backup already, yeah. but uh, it doesn't hurt to have an extra one, you know, better safe than sorry. So Yeah. And if it's already there, I mean, if you're, exactly. like, that's the thing that gets me. That's so I'm looking for that gotcha, because if it's already there, I'm already using a, I'm using Prime for other things. And I use I use Amazon Prime Instant Video a lot now. I watch their videos through like I was watching grim through my xbox earlier today <laughs> so i i use amazon all the time for these things and i sold some cameras through amazon you know because you can go you go to a page and it, on the bottom on the right of the page it says do you have one of these to sell you can sell it on amazon so i tried it at the at the the urging of my nephew he said he tried it and it worked so i tried it i clicked the button and it's simple you know instead of like ebay where you got to figure out the listing and all that Basically, it creates a page based on the page you were looking at. You tell it what condition your thing is in. In this case, it was a camera that I was selling. You know, what the condition is, how many of them you have, any special notes. You attach a couple pictures of the thing and submit You know, with the price that you want for it, and you sell it. You know, And so those kind of things, because you can sell it for money or you can sell it for Amazon credit. So then you can then buy other Amazon stuff. <laughs> You know, so I'm like, I'm stuck in this Amazon world and I'm happily stuck in there. It just, and it saves me from driving to Target and parking and standing in line and, you know, all that stuff. And it stuff just shows up on my porch and this just adds to the top of it. So I'm going to, I have to dive in a little deeper and see if it's, uh, if there's another shoe to drop on this, this unlimited storage thing, but. From I just think they have, they have too much storage. They just need to give it away. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, before we move on to story number three, I want to thank another one of our sponsors for this episode of TWIP, and that's our good friends over at FreshBooks.com. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by FreshBooks, the easy cloud solution helping millions of small business owners save time invoicing and get paid faster. You know, as photographers, we capture moments feelings, vistas, all that cool stuff, even perspectives. But what we don't think to capture sometimes is the income picture of our businesses. You know, income, your expenses, your billable time, all that stuff. And I think one of the reasons why we don't do that is because capturing all those things is boring. That's a simple fact. It's just boring doing that. We'd rather be out taking pictures. Now, thankfully, FreshBooks offers small business owners and freelancers a way to keep track of their time and money without breaking your workflow or lifestyle. You can invoice your clients. You can do it in mere minutes. Expenses can be automatically imported so you don't have to lift a finger. You can track billable time. Basically, they take the hassle out of running your photography business by joining millions of freelancers and entrepreneurs using FreshBooks to run their businesses. So really cool stuff. And this week in photo and basically anything I do personally business wise is run using FreshBooks. And I've been doing it for several years now and I can't tell you how much time it has saved me in terms of headache and following up with clients and billing and getting paid, all that stuff. 
you know, their tagline is it, it, it says, you know, let me read it here. It says it helps you save time invoicing and get paid faster. And that's exactly what it did for, did for me. I had a stack of things that I had to do, you know, people to reach out to, to, you know, bug about getting paid or all these different things. And once I imported everything into FreshBooks, it basically said, okay, Frederick, yeah, we got this and they took it over and I get paid, you know, and it just works. I don't think I would be able to run my business as efficiently as I do without FreshBooks. So definitely check them out. And FreshBooks, our sponsor for this episode, is free to try for This Week in Photo listeners. All you got to do is go to freshbooks.com slash twip and enter twip in the how did you hear about us section to start your free trial. So get out there, capture some beautiful moments and your business finances. Just go to freshbooks.com slash twip and enter twip in the how did you hear about us section. All right. This last story um, is I think it would be pretty quick. So our friends at Lytro... Um, with their light field technology. Essentially, that's the technology in their Lytro cameras that allows you to shoot first and focus later. So in post-production, you can click and pick a point to focus on after the image has been captured, whereas as, as we know traditionally, when you're shooting photography or shooting photos, you have to focus, take the picture, and your focus is locked. Well, what they're doing is they're trying to according to them, um, bring the transformational power of the light field to an entirely new set of imaging applications for the first time. That's a quote. Um, that's what they said in their press release. And this is, they're releasing this in the form of a Lytro development kit or LDK. Now this LDK costs $20,000 and it provides quote imaging researchers with the latest or with the highest degree of control of Lytro's advanced light field capture devices and processing engines. Or in English, it means unprecedented access to Lytro's hardware and software so that researchers in all fields can begin experimenting with the light field or the shoot first, focus later type technology. All this is for $20,000. Dave, when you you saw this, is this, I, I see this, you know, I talked to these guys early on, you know, years ago when they, before they even launched the first Lytro camera. And I think one of the questions I asked them was, is this... I mean, it looked like IP, right? Back then, even now, it still looks like IP. It looks like something that they would license, like they're doing now, or sell or be acquired by a larger company, like, you know, say a Nikon or Canon, if they were in the mood for innovation, or someone someone else, someone of that ilk with with, with a higher market cap, per se, than Lytro, to acquire them and say, hey, look, we acquired Lytro, and now all of our cameras have this new capability. Is that what we're seeing? Is this a first step, Dave, in that, in that direction? I don't know. I, I would get, I, when this first came out and actually, I think I heard it from you years ago when this technology came out, I was like, it's, that sounds cool, but I don't know anything about this company. Are mm-hmm. they going to develop anything cool? And then the thought came, well, maybe they'll license it or maybe Nikon or Canon will actually buy them. Mm-hmm. And since Canon and Nikon haven't, um, I think it's cool that they're actually doing this. So even let's say a um, manufacturer that makes security cameras, for instance, can say, hey, we want that technology because then we can take the frame or the video or whatever later and then focus in on that particular criminal that just stole all our stuff out of our warehouse mm-hmm. and we can you know, focus later kind of thing. I think that technology for those type of companies, I think this is great for them. Yeah. But I'm 
curious to see if Canon or Nikon will pick up on this and develop anything because the idea of being able to shift your focus after the fact is, yeah, that's kind of interesting. I mean, that, that, that's kind of... I mean, this technology is on the edge. Do you really think Nikon or Canon? I mean, they 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 won't embrace mirrorless. I mean, <laughs> maybe they're going to skip let a lot focus of list. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What did you say, Valerie? Maybe they're going to skip a lot of steps and they're just going to really blow us away. Oh yeah, yeah. Maybe our kids' kids will be like, oh yeah, <laughs> finally a new mirrorless camera. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I think what you said makes a lot of sense, Dave. I mean, I think, but I would go on to say, if they add another zero to that 20K, uh, the federal government might be a customer for them with all of their homeland security type efforts. Yeah, right? I think that that's a great yeah. idea. I think they, you know, especially on the security side of things, being able to focus later on a, a suspect or something like that, I think would be really cool technology. Again, you know, are would we see this in a DSLR in the next five or ten years? I I'm going to say probably not. Do you want it? I mean, do you like both of you guys? Do you want to see this? Do you need this technology in your DSLR? I would or in your mirrorless camera or whatever. <laughs> in my what? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I would I would like it, but you know, I don't know if I don't know how what the interface would look like. I've never you know, had a Lectro, or I don't know how it works. It's pretty and, simple. You just tap on the screen, and it and it focuses on that you know but how do you focus later do you tap on your touch screen and then yeah focus on yeah you tap on the touch screen to focus it later or they've got i believe they've got they're built into facebook and services like that so there's the the technologies or the plugin is kind of built in so that when you click on a on a litro embedded image on those services it will focus later at whatever point that you, you tap on hmm interesting mm-hmm yeah. Yeah. My thing has always been I this is it's interesting on stills, but when I'm shooting a still photograph, I'm OK with focusing when I take the picture. You know, I don't need to focus later where I think it gets really interesting is in video. I mean, like in post-production, I could see, you know, you spend millions of dollars trying to get the perfect shot and you can't recreate it and bring the crew back in in Hollywood. But you have this shot with light field technology and now you could go in and say, yeah, we wanted the we wanted we want to do focus tracking from here to here instead of there to there, you know. And you can make those decisions in post production rather than having to sacrifice or or you know make allowances for the shot that wasn't exactly what you wanted. Well, so. let me ask the question this way: since this was re, what this came out what three or four years ago, I'm guessing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How come we haven't seen in the last three or four years like you know red or? Canon or Nikon even dabbling with an experimental camera and showing it at NAB or something like that um, with their own, you know, Lytro technology, whatever, you know, getting around Lytro's patents. We haven't seen that yet. So I'm yeah. guessing if we haven't seen that yet, then we're still, you know, 10 years away. Yeah, the closest <laughs> thing I've seen was in a mobile phone. I think it was a Samsung. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure it was a Samsung mobile phone that had it had a similar technology where you could focus later um but you know through you, valerie do you remember that oh no no sorry i thought i was thinking of something else no i don't i, I don't know because that's something that for me for photography i feel like photographers and i won't say everyone but are because of digital i think are getting a little sloppy and and if and i think we need to make more decisions in camera so if 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 that is taken care of 
in post as well as everything else, then what's the point? Uh, right. But I do agree that for video, um, that would that would make more sense. Yeah, yeah. it would be it would be cool. Yeah, it's interesting because you ha you have like Dave, you have the, you have 4K, right? And we we've talked on the show about the idea of extracting eight megapixel stills from a frame of 4K video. So now you can. So and I wrote a we had a post on Twit that I wrote um, called "The End of the Decisive Moment." Kind of Valerie, kind of mm -hmm. you yeah. know, hearkening back to Cartier Bresson, his coining the phrase "decisive moment." But the the idea is like when you the, the decisive moment is the idea that peak action happens in front of your lens and you have the wherewithal and skill to click the shutter at the right time to capture that decisive moment however with video because it's linear there is no decisive moment you can later sit back with your glass of wine and scrub through find the right frame export that now you have your decisive moment with this Lytro technology pushes it even a leather level further if you're if you apply it to video because now you have you can later find that decisive moment and also change the focus of it. <laughs> yeah. so, yeah. so like Valerie said, what's the point? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and now with the, and, and Panasonic just released that 2.0 version of, for the GH4, which includes 4K photo, mm -hmm. which is not Lytro, but um, in terms of being able to take stills from your video and it has a looping function now. And so they're really going after it. And, on the video side of things, what's cool about that update is you can actually do one by one aspect ratio um, and capture, you know, as most of the, as much of the sensor as you can, and then you can use anamorphic lenses to then um, then you would later in post stretch it out, um, and you get a very, you know, cinematic look using anamorphic glass with that new um one-to-one -one ratio that gh4 has which i think is cool that like what we talked about before is panasonic is definitely pushing the envelope in terms of what they're doing um on the video side of things yeah i love it is all that stuff are you covering that in the course you're putting together in gh4 yeah the the anamorphic stuff i i covered a little bit but i don't have any anamorphic glass because it's so expensive you have to basically rent it so i haven't rented any yet um okay. it's not something you can just go out and buy yeah yeah all right. Well, we'll keep an eye on Lytro and see what happens. This is uh, this is an interesting development, as it were. Uh, $20,000 to get access to the Lytro or the LDK, the Lytro Development Kit, um, giving developers access to their light field technology. All right, guys, let's, let's jump into the listener Q&A. Listener Jan writes, she says, I wonder if you'll ask the TWIP panel if they have a recommendation of a site to post my photos to that offers slideshows as an option. I currently use a site called Fanfare, spelled P-H-A-N-F-A-R-E, which since they were purchased by Carbonite has essentially been killed. Um, and he goes on to say that they're he's looking for... Uh, Ken Burns animated slideshows and he wants audio and all that stuff. So Valerie, I want to throw this to you first. Uh, do you have any thoughts on this for listener Jan on slideshow options online? No, I, I'm sorry. I don't. And I did a little bit of research, but it's the music part that I'm stuck on. Yeah. So. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. That's, that's the tough one. And I, I, you know, we were talking earlier and I think you know, there's there's a lot of offline tools that you can use to create really cool slideshows. One of which that comes to mind is um, Photo Magico. I mean, you can do it in iMovie and all that stuff, but Photo Magico is a standalone piece of software that has been around for a while, and they've perfected, in my opinion, the art of doing these really cool uh, 
Ken Burns laden music soundtrack, music video style um, slideshows, which in, you can export in you know high resolution HD and then put on a service like Vimeo or YouTube or whatever and serve up that way. So that's a potential option for Jan. Uh, Dave, what about you? You have any thoughts? Well, she used the word site, recommend a site. So, yeah. uh, you know, obviously like Flickr does it, but doesn't do it with audio. Um, but the only thing I can think of and when she says the word site and not like an application um, would be, and I've never tried it, but I believe they have a 30-day trial. It's Anim- Animoto. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Animoto, I believe. And I was looking at their pricing. It's pretty pricey, if you ask me, mm-hmm. for what they're doing, because it's just basically uh, a script that they write that do this Ken Burns effect and a whole bunch of fancy wipes and um, things that you could do in you know your nonlinear editor if you wanted to spend the time, but it'll do it for you. And it's basically it comes down to time um, and because if this person wants to put the time in, they could just do it themselves and create the Ken Burns effect with a nonlinear editor and put their music to it and then upload it to Vimeo. But if they're looking for a quick, easy solution where I upload my pictures, I pick my music, it creates it for me kind of thing, then I think you're going to have to pay because I couldn't find anything either besides Animoto, um, which I think is like what? 180 to $200 a year or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, I don't, I'm not exactly sure what the price was, but I had a membership, I don't know, like a year, two years ago. And I found myself making maybe one or two a year, you know, just because I remembered I had an account <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then I just killed the account. So, yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're right. I mean, there's, there's lots of options out there. Um, but those, I don't know, like the services like Animoto, there's another one. There's, there's a, a, several services out there that people could use. Um, but the, you know, when you use those on those services like that, the issue like for, with Animoto in particular that I see is they start looking kind of formulaic you know, over time, and you can kind of see the signature, oh, that was an Animoto kind of animation, you know, and you lose the individuality of this is something that you worked on. I think the, in the end, if you want some, if it's your work, and you're trying to present it to the world, and it's your best foot forward, I don't think there's, there's a, I don't think there's a path of easy to doing that, you know, and you have to, like, craft it, and think about how long this image stays on the screen, and you know, maybe even cut the music up and loop a certain section so that it makes sense for these videos. And, you know, there's there's work that goes into these slideshows, you know, and we're we're in this generation of let's just, you know, point a folder of images at the site and let it do all the work for me and expect brilliance. <laughs> I don't know that it works like that. Yeah. Maybe I'm crazy. <laughs> all right. <laughs> All right, guys, let's move on to the uh, the Picks of the Week segment. You guys get to recommend something to the listeners. Valerie, I'm going to go with you first. Okay. Uh, what's your, I have an idea of what one of your picks is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have two. The first one is uh, my show, Street Focus. And uh, although I know a lot of TWIP listeners are already on there, um, it's not just for street photographers. I mean, like, I've had so many people... Uh, among my friends, actually, who are not photographers, who have been enjoying especially like the Streets of the World segment, where we really visit a city. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, we did Hamburg, we we did uh, 
uh, LA, we have New York coming up, Berlin, Madrid. So every three weeks, it's just one city and people have really enjoyed it. So even non-photographers, so I can see how non-street photographers would, would enjoy it too. And it's really about photography in, in general as well. I think yeah. everybody can get uh, something out of it. So give it a chance. Check where, it out. Where is it at? Where's the URL? <laughs> this week in photo, uh, dot com slash street. Yes. Is that how you say it? Okay. That's it. Yeah. Yep. That'll I take them right it, to it. Because I've said it a few times already. Uh-huh. And well, I had a, a book for the pick of the week, but I, I used it on my own show. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> See, Twip is suffering now. Look at that. <laughs> but I have another pick. And it's for for travelers um, who need to plug in their you know their their camera batteries and their phone and their computers and everything. And I see so many people in my workshop that are coming with uh, five plug um, adapters, mm-hmm. international plug ad- uh, outlet adapters, and and they in a hotel where there's sometimes one or two outlets only, and. Uh, Instead of just having, and I, I don't know, it just makes so much sense, but I don't see why people don't think of it, especially if they travel quite a bit, is just to have just one adapter and then a travel power strip. And I have a really small one that I got from B&H, and it's called Outlets to Go 4, which means it has four um, plugs on it. Mm-hmm. And then I have one international adapter, and it's so small, and it, it fits everywhere, so... That's kind of my tip of the day. Very cool, awesome, yeah. And it's like ten bucks, so. Yeah, yeah that helps. And I wonder if I wonder if you can get it on Amazon on Amazon Prime. <laughs> <laughs> I'll Play order it right now. <laughs> awesome, cool, Valerie. Thank you. Yeah, and Street Focus again. Congratulations on that show. It's at thisweekinphoto.com/slash/street. Um, and it's a fantastic show. It's growing like gangbusters. People sem- seem to like it. I, lots, you know. great, lots of great ratings on iTunes. So thank you for all yeah, those. Yeah. And nice if you're stuff. a listener, if you're listening to this and you listen to Street Focus, leave Valerie a comment on uh, or a rating and a comment on iTunes so that we can see what you guys think. Thank you. All right. And Dave, what is your pick of the week? I see, I'm looking at the notes here. I see a jumble of letters and numbers. What is <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, about a month ago, I wanted to finally replace my seven-year-old Samsung monitor that, like, uh, seven seven years ago, I bought it for, like, $800. Um, It was aging, and I just knew there were so many better things out there. And I finally got around to uh, asking B&H to send me three different ones. I asked for Asus, an HP, and an LG. Um, And I had uh, kind of polled my audience and said, what should I review of you know three different monitors and a lot of people had suggested these three monitors they're not 4k monitors and i had tried a 4k monitor but with uh i'm a windows user and they just don't scale well yet and i think windows might be another version away from you know before they actually get the the scaling factor because if you're looking at stuff on a you know on a 4k monitor and it, it, everything is just so small mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and i don't know how it, it's working with your new 5k monitor but i'm guessing yosemite or whatever it is mm-hmm. that you use has fixed that issue and everything scales well yeah so that's that's wonderful yeah um, it, yeah i'm looking at i'm recording this show on this 5k imac right now and you know, uh, it's ruined me. It's ruined me. <laughs> I can't can't go back to any other computer after this. <laughs> so I I got the one I picked, the one I liked the best, and actually I had a professional retoucher come in, and he was 
looking at all three and trying to find out the differences. And you could see things that I couldn't even see. But um, I ended up picking the LG with this whole bunch of letters. But, but what it is is it's a really wide monitor. So if you're into content creation like I am and you use like things with timelines like After Effects and Premiere or whatever you use, I know a lot of um, Apple type people use this monitor as well because it's so wide. It's a 21 by 9 aspect ratio. Wow. Um, yeah, and it's 3,400 by 1440 resolution. Um, and it is, it, to me, it looked just as good as the HP Dreamcaller and the Asus that I, I reviewed. Um, they looked all really, really close in terms of what they're. It's a 10-bit monitor. And one of the things I wanted to ask you about, Frederick, is the only way I could do a 10-bit, because I use uh, NVIDIA GTX cards, and they all can only do 8-bit. How are, is your new 5K iMac? Is that a 10-bit monitor? I don't know. I I feel bad for saying I don't know, but what, I don't. what is what is what is powering it? Does it is a GTX card inside of it? I will tell you right now. So I'm doing my about this Mac, and in this, the graphics processor is the AMD Radeon R9. Um, okay. Um. Geez. Yeah. MX or M290X 2048 megabyte. Interesting graphics card, and and then this the graphics card I have in this machine is the second best. So this is more of the every man's Mac that I bought. Doug okay. K bought the, you know the I I call it the Tony Stark version of the iMac, which <laughs> which has everything on it, you know, and the the accelerated card, and he's got SSD drives in it. You know, mine has the regular, you know, the uh, what what is it the I forget the Apple branded drive that that has the cache on it so i've got that in there and my mac is my mac is really all about content creation you know it is all about editing a little bit of video here and there recording audio and photos you know so photoshop and lightroom and it's working brilliantly for that that's cool but i i really love this monitor and what happened was I was going to buy it and then send the other two back. And then a new one got released, the curved version of this LG 34-inch. And I was like, oh, maybe I'm going to need to wait for that one. And that one, I think, will be coming shortly. So I sent all three of those back, and I'm going to get this new curved one. And if it's just as good as the other one, I'm going to keep the curved one. Because when it gets that wide, 34 inches wide, yeah. you actually kind of have to move your head a little bit <laughs> sometimes. turn your neck. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, and what it what is the iMac that you have? Is that a twenty seven inch? Yeah, it's a twenty seven okay. inch. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, but it's brilliant. And I I wrote a little post on this on I think it was Facebook or whatever. Um, and I uh, I had a cinema display that I was planning on running in tandem with this. You know, it's Thunderbolt. This we're plugging it into it and having a secondary display to this one, so to have enough real estate. I literally ended up taking that thing off my desk, and now all I have on my desk is the iMac because there's enough screen real estate for everything I could possibly want to do with just this screen. So, and, and for, I have desktop real estate back. So, and for those that are thinking, you know, how much can a monitor make a difference? Well, I'll tell you. When I had that LG for a whole month, and I, I had to ship all those three back, and I'm waiting for the new one. I had to go back to my old 24-inch Samsung, and I was like, going back is like, oh my gosh, yeah. I didn't realize what I was looking at before until I went back to the old one. Mm -hmm. Now I'm like, come on, where's the new one coming? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what they say, once you go 4K or 5K, you can't go back, just saying. <laughs>
<laughs> just saying. Maybe well, it goes, I, I, it goes I, a different way, but yeah. that's what I was saying. <laughs> I tried 4K just in the Windows environment at this point. It just doesn't it doesn't scale well. It might be time for you to consider making a trip to the Apple store, Dave. I'm just oh, saying. <laughs> there's there's an iMac sitting over in the kitchen that my kids and my wife use. Ah, okay. <laughs> I try to stay away from it. And it's funny because they'll say, Dad, it's not working. I'm like, I don't know anything about it. <laughs> Google it. <laughs> Google it. As a par- the parenting of the future. Google it, kid. I don't know. <laughs> Dad, I need help with my own work. Google it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, cool. Well, thanks for that. And what's that model number again? Rattle that off again. LG34UM95-P. See, that's the difference between <laughs> the Mac and Windows. <laughs> All right. Well, cool. All right. So my pick is real quick. So... I'm playing with a new piece of software um, from MacFun, M-A-C-P-H-U-N. It's called Intensify. And for all you landscape shooters out there, it's kind of like, it's almost like clarity and Lightroom on steroids. And it is, uh, it's pretty cool. I just actually started playing with it today. And I'm, I'm kind of impressed with what the thing can do. You know, you think as a photographer over the years, especially in my industry where I'm I get a lot of software to play with and you know so there's not a lot of things that I feel like can surprise me. I've been surprised twice this week. So I've been surprised by Intensify from Mac Fun and I'm also playing with um Milio which we talked about in the last episode of Twip. Um I'm diving deep into that and I'm pretty impressed at what it can do as well. And those guys are going to come on the show in a couple of weeks and talk about what, you know, where they're going with it. So it's an exciting week for software. And then my other pick is this cool uh, little piece of hardware called the Camelapse. And I talked about this on the show before, but I'm still in love with it. It's, uh, it's at camelapse.com, C-A-M-A-L-A-P-S-E.com. And it essentially is it's very simple. The best things in life are really simple. It's, like a, it's created to do those panning time-lapse photos. So you can do a time-lapse, say, with your iPhone or whatever, set it on a tripod or brace it up against something, put it in time-lapse mode in the photo in the camera and hit go and it'll create a time-lapse. What this thing does is you attach your phone to the top of it and it will slowly pan your camera or your phone, your GoPro, your Sony Action Cam or your camera or your, your iPhone or Android phone across the scene over increments of 30 minutes, 45 minutes, or 60 minutes. And what you end up with in the end is a time-lapse video that slowly pans across the scene. And it's uh, it works. It's a really simple little piece of, of, uh, of gear that weighs almost nothing, goes in your bag. And it's you know relatively cheap. I gotta I gotta look it up online, but I think it's uh it's like thirty bucks, forty bucks, something like that. So yeah, definitely check that out. It uh, it works. I did a cool time lapse in in Times Square with it that turned out really really cool. I think so. Yeah, it was cool. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was fun. That was like my second time lapse ever, and it was like okay, you know, Julio Shorio and I did it together. You know, he was the photographer and. I, I brought the gear, the camel apps and the iPhone 6, and we, we rocked it in Times Square. We looked like idiots for about 30 minutes as we recorded it, but, but it, you know, it came out really cool. We got a cool video out of it. All right, guys, before we close the show, I want to thank our final sponsor for this episode, and that's our good friends over at StickyAlbums.com. 
When Sticky Albums founder Nate Greyhack was working as a professional photographer, he used to hand out paper business cards until one client finally told him that she really didn't like carrying paper around in her pockets. That was the inspiration for Nate founding Sticky Albums. It's a service that makes it super simple to create a custom mobile photo app for each of your clients. As a business owner, you'll love Sticky Albums because you can customize your galleries per client with your own logo and contact information. And as your clients share their app with all of their friends and family, it's like they're passing out digital business cards for you. And Nate and his team have just released a brand new version of Sticky Albums with some cool new features this year that has already won a PPA Hot One Award. And be sure to check out the Sticky Albums blog to learn how wedding photographer Sal Sincata created a simple Sticky Album for a popular wedding venue in his city that skyrocketed his word of mouth referrals. And for the TWIP audience, Nate has provided the discount code TWIP, T-W-I-P, that will knock $40 off your annual membership, including unlimited apps. All right, that brings us up to the end of another episode of TWIP. I want to thank our sponsors for their support. Without them, the show would not be possible. Also, uh, where can, let's say, Valerie Jardin, where can people go to keep up with you online, aside from thisweekinphoto.com slash street? Street, I was going to say, on the TWIP network. Uh, <laughs> on my website, and they can find links to everything. Actually, the podcast now is linked directly on the on my website and everything. Um, So it's valeriejardinphotography.com, all in one word. And one day, I promise, I will learn how to pronounce your name correctly. (laughs) I've I've come to terms with, I'm just going to be the the stupid American that cannot pronounce some French words properly. (laughs) And eat a hamburger and fry the lands in Paris. Yeah, I know. We even tried. I I am unapologetically American. I can't change it. All right. Well, thanks for coming on, Valerie. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, Mr. Dave Dugdale, what about you? Where can people go to check you out? Well, until Frederick comes up with a new URL for me, it's <laughs> learningtslrvideo.com. And I'm on Twitter and Google Plus and all that good stuff, too. We are going to work on that, seriously. We got to change that. That is, <laughs> that's not cool. <laughs> so, that's like that's almost like Joseph Lenaski and Aperture oh, Expert. I know. I know. <laughs> so. yeah, what did he do? He changed his name. He changed the site to photosexpert.com. Oh, good for him. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's a little more generic, but, you know, better better than Aperture Expert. So, yeah. At man. least it wasn't Kodak Expert or something like that. <laughs> that would have been bad. All right, guys. Well, thank you for coming on, Dave. I appreciate it. Dave, thank you. All right. And listeners, be sure to visit our website over at thisweekinphoto.com. There you'll find this podcast, obviously, as well as all of the other shows, including Valerie's awesome show, Street Focus. So definitely check that out. And with that, it is time to take that lens cap off. Week in Photo is a PixelCore.tv production, produced by Suzanne Llewellyn, with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar.